You are listening to One Nation Under Crime, a chronological true crime podcast. Each week, we go through our nation's history and discuss one case from each year starting in 1800. I'm Kayla. And I'm Leah. And this week, it's our first episode. First episode. Like, first official episode. Uh, so this is, this is exciting for us, guys. It is. Um, so, yeah. We should have had champagne. Should have. For oh, sh- gone it. Leah's drinking wine and... For my health, it's red. I'm drinking some, it's like a Moscow mule in a can. It's very good. It's She's very classy. Delicious. It's class. It's 10% ABV. Like Goodness. A, it's so good. Um, anyways, so yeah, this uh, is our first episode. So with our first episode, our first topic is the first murder trial of our brand, our brand new, new nation. nation. <laughs> And uh, it's called the Manhattan Well Murder Trial, and it was in 1800. And as we said before, it's the first murder trial of the nation. And that's kind of what our podcast is based off of, is we're going year by year through um, kind of all of our nation's history and just kind of seeing what's going on each year. Who's killing who? Who's being true? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) We don't even care anymore. Uh, So, so yeah, bear with us. This is our very first, our very first episode. So we can't promise everything's going to be perfect, but we'll see. We'll be perfectly delightful. Yeah, we we will. We'll do that. So, uh, all right. So yeah, it's eighteen hundred. Few things that are going on in eighteen hundred. Uh, on January 2nd, uh, free African-American community of Philadelphia petent- petitions, apparently is a hard word. Uh, yeah, the free African-American community in Philadelphia petitions U.S. Congress to abolish the slave trade. Uh, July 8th, Dr. Benjamin Waterhouse gives the first cowpox vaccination in the U.S. to prevent his son from getting smallpox. Uh, July 9th, Mount Vernon Gardens become the site of the first summer theater in the U.S. November 1st, John Adams becomes the first U.S. president to live in the White House. Uh, November 17th, Congress holds its first session in Washington, D.C., and they actually did it. The Capitol building wasn't even finished. They just decided we're going to go ahead and have a meeting. Um, And then December 12th, Washington, D.C. established officially as the capital of the United States of America. So kind of the way that we're going to go through our cases is in the very beginning, I'm going to discuss kind of like I just did, the events that are going to go on that year. The climate of the year. Right. If there's a certain area that we're going to discuss, then I'm going to talk about the area Mm -hmm. and kind of what's going on, and then we'll get into our case. So. we're obviously in Manhattan Well Murder Trial. We're in Manhattan. So Manhattan was originally inhabited by the Lenape Native Americans. It's very hard to figure out how to say that word. It's not, <laughs> it's not said like it's spelled. And uh, Giovanni de Verrazano nice. uh, <laughs> sailed into the Upper Bay in 1524, and he's the first documented European to visit the area. So then it was uh, May 24th of 1626. Uh, this is my favorite uh, fact. Uh, the Dutch colonist bought Manhattan from a branch of the Lenape tribe for 60 guilders or gold pennies. Nice. So do you want to take a guess at how much 60 guilders would be in today's money? Uh, 5,000. 
$24. Nice. That was a steal. <laughs> so Manhattan was bought for $24. Yeah, you can't get a square I think they foot got, of Manhattan. I, know. I think they got like their investment back on that well, pretty, pretty heavily. Um, so after Manhattan was purchased, it kind of changed hands for a while between the English and Dutch. It was kind of like a game of capture the flag until right. the American Revolutionary War. And I mean, as y'all will figure out, I could go on and on about the Revolutionary War. It's my favorite time period. And so um, I'm going to try and keep it as brief as I can because in a future episode, we'll kind of delve more into mm-hmm. the Revolutionary War um, for that time. So um, November of 1783, New York became the first capital under the new Constitution of the United States. That is, until there was a meeting. Dun, dun, dun. Which, thanks to Lin-Manuel Miranda, is now known as the meeting in the room where it happens. (laughs) Alexander Hamilton, Thomas Jefferson, and James Madison met, and allegedly, when the men left, the banks were left in New York, and the South got the capital in 1790. So you got more than you gave? And I wanted what I got. There you go. So, let's get into our first case, and I don't just mean the first case of our show. No. No. So, December 22nd, 1799, her name is Gilielma. She goes by Elma, so we will talk about, say, Elma. Um, That's easier. Yeah, very much. Gilielma Elma Sands was seen leaving her boarding house, um, and she was last seen by a friend on Greenwich Street. January 2nd, 1800, Elma's body was found at the bottom of a well in Lispinid Meadow. Elma would never know how much the end of her life would mark the beginning of an entire movement for the United States. Mm-hmm. She'd never, which is super sad. She's, she'd never, I mean, you know, depending, was killed, depending on right. how you believe in the afterlife, sure, she knows. But you know what I mean? I mean, you know, it's just one of those things. You never know how important you're going to be in your life. And she died and we're talking about her <laughs> like yeah. today. Um, a couple of years later. Yeah. So the Manhattan Well murder trial took place on March 31st, 1800. And it is the first recorded murder trial in the United States. So we'll get into our story here. Elma Sands was 22 and she resided at 208 Greenwich Street in Manhattan in the Rings boarding house. The Rings is the last name of the couple who owned it. Um, the owner of the boarding house, uh, well, the owners, really, were Catherine and Elias Ring. Catherine was actually Elma's cousin. So that's how she ended up there. And then Hope Ring was another cousin of Elma. And uh, she also lived in the boarding house with them as well. And then the other woman in the boarding house was Margaret Clark. And those were the only other two female boarders in the house than Elma. It was just Hope and then Margaret. Uh, So were there other boarders, but they were the only female boarders? Yes, there were other boarders in the house. And that will bring us to our next point. Oh, well. It was then in July of 1799 that a 24-year-old carpenter moved in and shared a room with his apprentice. The young carpenter was Levy Weeks. So this is kind of an important thing, and, and I want to go ahead and insert this here, that 
Our goal in these cases is to really focus on a victim and tell their story as accurately and as much as possible. Um, but just in cases like this, they're so old. There's so little information mm-hmm. on people back in this time. And so, unfortunately, in cases like that, there's more information on the accused. I mean, you know, the, yeah. in this case, there's more information on Levy Weeks than there is Elma Sands. And as sad as that is, it's just kind of, you know, it just is. It is. And I hate that. So, um, I also want to just go ahead and say that we'll try to refer to the perceived perpetrator as the accused rather than the murderer. And I understand that that can sound kind of odd um, for some people, but we want to be respectful. There are descendants of these subjects out there somewhere. Um, And we're not aiming to place blame when we don't know where it should be placed. Uh, It doesn't mean that in more modern cases, I will not go after some of these people (laughs) even if they're still alive um but if they're confessed or they're proven or they are a serial killer in my professional opinion they can rot in their cell (laughs) burn in hell (laughs) relive the torture that they did to their victims every day Pretty much like Groundhog Day. Just every day you wake up. Just experience everything, all the horrible things you did to those people every day. Because I can't stand these people. Some of them are just, they're sadistic and they're gross. Um, And especially in cases like this, there's not a clear-cut answer, spoiler alert, as to what happened. And we'll talk more about that later. Uh, So during Levy Week's stay in the boarding house, it was noted that he did pay close attention to both Hope and Margaret. Um, But it wasn't Hope or Margaret. That Levy was sneaking into their room at night. Uh oh. That room would belong to Elma Sands. Uh, very little is known about Elma Sands. Like I said before, she doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, like at all. Really? I, I mean, it's it's insane. And I'll go through our our sources at the very end of the case because I do have a list of sources where I got this information from. So we'll go through that then. Uh, we do know that she was raised a Quaker. Um, And she was an illegitimate child, which I know sounds nitpicky, but it comes into play later. Especially then. Exactly. Uh, So, and Elma was known to be sickly. That's really all we know about her. Um, That summer, there was a major outbreak of yellow fever, and Elma did become ill during this time. Even though it's not certain that she had yellow fever, Mm -hmm. she did get sick. Uh, Elma was also known for having emotional outbursts. Um, And Levy Weeks was also kind of known as a hothead. Uh, In the fall, Elma mentioned many times to her cousin that she'd rather be dead and that she could overdose on laudanum. And um, laudanum was, it's like an alcohol solution based, like a tincture. Um, It's morphine derived from opium. And at this time, it was used as a painkiller. Yeah, it's very, very addictive. yeah, yeah. It's 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 yeah. in all the all the movies you see back in that time. That's what it's the ladies are hooked them. on. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, Elma's attitude very quickly made a big one eighty at the beginning of the winter, and she was all of a sudden very happy and super excited about her future plans. Well, I know, right? So uh, we're going to go into Levy Weeks a little bit, and 
this is where the story kind of ties together and gets real interesting. Um, so Levy Weeks was the brother of Ezra Weeks, who was a very prominent architect in Manhattan. Uh, Ezra Weeks' biggest accomplishment is being the architect for the Archibald Gracie Mansion. Um, and today, that's still the official home of the mayor of New York City. Cool. And he built it. Um, so at the time, the Weeks brothers' main project was a country house called Hamilton Grange, which was located in Harlem Heights in Upper Manhattan. Uh, Ezra had strict orders to make sure this country house would be better than Richmond Hill, which for a short time it was the headquarters for George Washington during kind of the end of the Revolutionary War, mm-hmm. um, the residence of John Adams during his presidency. And during this time, Richmond Hill was owned by Aaron Burr. I've heard of him. So I wonder <laughs> why Hamilton Grange had to be better than Richmond Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the, no, no, if the name Hamilton Grange sounds familiar, that'd be because Alexander Hamilton was the one who owned it. Um, so yeah, unless you live under a rock, Pretty much. You've probably heard those things. You know that Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr were at best frenemies. Mm. I think that's the best word to describe. I think that's them. a good, good word to describe. They were definitely them. frenemies. Um, we'll get into this into a later episode, but this is not going to be the last time you hear those names together in an episode no. on this podcast. Um, and this isn't really the only odd connection to this case either. So remember how it's called the Manhattan Well Murder Trial? Like mm-hmm. that's it's very well known. It's established. So the Manhattan Company was created around this time and has now evolved into J.P. Morgan. Okay. So yeah, it's been around that long. When the company formed, their charter was to make clean water more readily accessible, and in return, the company could form a bank and sell insurance. Kind of like you scratch my back, I'll scratch Absolutely, yours. Absolutely, which is how most things get done. Especially in that time. Uh-huh. Well, even more today. Um, <laughs> We're not going there. No. But the company didn't hold up their end of the deal, and so they came under fire quickly for not making more of an effort to provide clean water and were accused of only trying to gain more power in mm-hmm. the city as it was growing. Uh, the New York Gazette published an article on May 1st, 1799, And this is so funny. And they said, quote, a law, my fellow citizens, more impolitic, alarming and corrupt has not been passed by any legislature since the revolution. A law, every clause of which is stamped with damning proof that it was intended not to benefit the public, but to raise up an object of speculation to enrich those who were interested in it. That's all flowery. I know. So essentially, the New York Gazette was like, hey, you made this sound good, but this is the worst thing that's ever been passed since the revolution ended. And by the way, you're only out here for yourself. You don't care about the public and the people. Um, There are some pretty key founders of the Manhattan Company. And do you know who one of them would be? I've probably heard of them. Aaron Burr was one of the key founding members of the Manhattan Company. So the Manhattan Company has also been referred specifically to as Aaron Burr's Manhattan Company. Um, So in a major effort to keep up an image in the city, Aaron Burr commissioned a well 
in Lispened Meadow. This well was fittingly named the Manhattan Well after the company who did pay for it. So as you can tell, it's very weird that the well Elma Sands was found at the bottom of was a personal project of Aaron Burr's, mm-hmm. which will continue to be more odd as we go on. Right. So the night that Elma went missing, uh, it was the evening of December 22nd. Elma was getting ready to go out for the night. She was getting dressed and had Catherine Ring, the, the boarding house owner, who was also her cousin, um, was helping her get dressed that evening. Elma mentioned to her cousins, it's not really determined whether she had mentioned it earlier in the week or if she just mentioned it that night. Um, but she mentioned to them that Elma and Levy were going to elope that yeah, night. That night. That night. Um, there's wild speculation as to the events that followed, and there are a few different stories that we will go through. So it can kind of get like weird and, and kind of a little confusing, but it's there's so many different stories. Why would she have to elope? Do we know why? We don't know why. Um, and we'll kind of go into more of that that later as well. But they just said that they were going to elope. They didn't really. There was no. I mean, no reason given. They were just going to okay. go elope. Um, so it's assumed by many people that Elma and Levy left the house together that night, but no one actually saw them leave together. So it's, hmm. it's, not, sh- it's not really true as to whether they did or didn't. Um, and another story was that Levy was downstairs by the door while Elma was dressing that night. And around 8 o'clock, people in the house heard someone come down the stairs. They heard whispering by the door, and then the door opened and closed again. But they... They don't know who the whispering was from. Don't know who it was. Um, but one would think that it would be those two. Right. With Levy standing directly sure. beside the door, then Elma coming downstairs. You would think, even though it's not really, it's not really well known as to what it was. Right. So, it's December in New York City. So, as you can guess... It's cold. There's a lot of snow on the ground. Mm -hmm. Uh, Several people mentioned they saw Elma riding in a one-horse sleigh with two men. And it just... Sounds like a Christmas song. I know, right? (laughs) Oh, it gets better. uh, Yeah, it gets better. Somebody has a quote in it, and it's, it's, it's funny. Um... So anyways, uh, yeah, they saw her in a one-horse sleigh with two men, and it just so happens that Ezra Weeks, Levy's brother, owned a one-horse sleigh. Okay. A friend claimed to see Elma walking on Greenwich Street, and when the friend went to talk to Elma, the friend heard a voice say, let's go. But the friend did not see where or who the voice came from. So we've got one story where she was in a sleigh. We got another story where her friend saw her on Greenwich Street mm-hmm. and went to go talk to her. Um, well, this could be just at different times in the same night, did it not? I mean, yeah. And that's what's so weird about it is it's like the time of, of when things happened. It's like nothing was really adding up. It's very odd mm-hmm. how all of it happens because it's it's – one theory to assume that all of these things are true, but then it's also another that none of them are true. Sure. I mean, this is just hearsay. This Wait, is nothing hearsay. is proven. Yeah, nothing is, nothing is proven there at all. There weren't video surveillance cameras no, at this time. <laughs> not at all. So, uh, Elma told her friend goodbye and to have a good night before she continued down the street. 
It was just 30 minutes later that someone yelled murder and Lord help me in the area of the Manhattan well. Uh, This part of the timeline is very important because this is when another part of a story comes into play that is like way too convenient to ignore. Mm. Um, After the screams were heard, people claimed to see someone in a one horse sleigh riding away from the area. But just one person. Yes. So neighbors of Ezra Weeks said they did see him leave his home that night with the sleigh. And others said that they saw a sleigh beside the well with two men and a woman in it. And they were laughing. Like, the group of people in the sleigh, they were all laughing together. and Like, having a good time. Yeah, like, just chatting, having a good time, telling a joke, whatever, you know. Um, Gonna get married. Yeah. (laughs) But no one can positively identify who was in the sleigh Mm -hmm. at that time. Uh, It's, you know. Is it kind of accepted that that's who it was? Yeah, like, it's kind of accepted that that's who it was. Um, And then, you know, the only thing that people can definitively say is that they saw Ezra Weeks leave his house with his sleigh, mm-hmm. but not who it was, you know, anything or like that. Or when he returned. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> encyclopedia.com stated, <laughs> quote, the entire scenario involving the sleigh has a macabre resemblance to the song Jingle Bells. <laughs> Except that no bells were involved, and the ride ended in cries of murder, which no one bothered to investigate. What? Uh, It's then stated that Levy returned to the boarding house around 10 o'clock, and he was wondering where Elma was. Like, he's back. Where's Elma? Like, I'm here. Where's she? Where are you at? Um, Did you say where you at? Where are you at? (laughs) Uh, I hate that. (laughs) Where are you at? Um, he expressed, (laughs) he expressed concern that she was out so late and then he also denied leaving the house with her that night. He said he never left with her. Hmm. Uh, and nobody can prove that because they just heard whispers, but they never, nobody had eyes No one actually saw them leave together. Catherine Ring, the cousin, Mm -hmm. boarding house owner as we know her, (laughs) she did this thing that... I feel like you and I would totally do. Oh, dear. And uh, so Catherine was super suspicious when Levy said he hadn't seen Elma, given everything that she knew about the elopement Uh, and everything else. Yeah. But Catherine sat on her suspicions. Ooh, she didn't look like a few days. She wanted to see what Levy was going to do. She wanted to watch the squirm. Mm hmm. And then she told Levy that she knew of the plans that him and Elma had to go get married. Um, and she flat out told Levy, you had something to do with her missing. Like, right, right out there. Weirdly enough, though, Levy was extremely rattled that Catherine knew about the secret engagement mm-hmm. and did not seem to want people to know about it. So, not only did he not seem to want people to know about the secret engagement, but he just denied that there was even an engagement. Oh. And 
then he was just like, okay, um, first of all, I'm mad that somebody knew we were secretly engaged. Second of all, we were no, we not engaged. And third, I was at my brother's house that night. Maybe I should have started with the second of all. Yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> Left the first of all out completely. So the timeline of the next few days is kind of murky. Um, but some kids were playing and one of them found a muff in the well. You know, like the little thing you put your, hands, you put your hands in. Yes. yes not little. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We were, uh, if you've listened, I'm sorry, we've got to, we have to put this in here because as, as soon as we both thought the same thing. Yeah. As soon as I was writing that, I was like, oh God. So we, we work, like I said, we work in an industry of which we never one thought we would be in Two, It's kind of boring. Like we're just going to be honest here. But we have to have a lot of contact information. We have to have a lot of contact information on a lot of people. 56,000? Yeah, 5,600, I think, kind of, yeah, like in that, in that range. It's a lot. It's a lot of people. One of these people. You're going to say it? If you have, if you, this is like it. Oh, my face is red already, is, I know. This is like a... Get it earmuff moment. Um, so uh, like, uh. It, it, yeah, it's it's hilarious and it's funny, but like, just bear with me for a second. Oh, Leah, I'm Leah's gonna die. Her face is so red right now. So, anyways, we have a uh, customer who we, like we said, have to get contact information, and he's it's a business. This is a businesses. Business. These are businesses. These are not just random people on the street. <laughs> but we have a customer. Whose email address begins with I Muff Dive. Hey. <laughs> His business email address, guys. Like, we cannot emphasize, like, this is a business. Pro tip number one. If you start a business, please start a new email. Keep your personal filthy email private and, you know, get an email of, you know, your company name or something like that. Not something crude. <laughs> well, and what's so funny about it is it's like, it's like a, but it's, it's like, guys, when we say that's the email, it is a legitimate oh, email address. So bad. We have had to confirm this email address before and it has been confirmed. Like, yeah, that's correct. Keep going. Like. Like no, or make them say it. Yeah, or we've been like, "Hey, you want to verify that email address?" And they're like, uh, "Yeah, that's it." And it's like, "Oh, okay." Are you sure? That's like what one, you know? one. I don't want to know that much about your personal life. No, nope. nope. I don't need to know. No, nope. and two, it's like it sounds like one of those fake email addresses that you would like use to sign up for like a mm -hmm. CD website, mm -hmm. and. It's or maybe just, some false bravado. I don't yeah, know. it's so I don't weird. Know. It's just weird. <laughs> but I also thought of the play. That we went to. Um, Which one? The I know. <laughs> Which we, one? We like, we like plays. Uh, the one where the one guy played like eight different characters. What was it called? <gasps> oh, A Gentleman's Guide to yes. Love and Murder. It was. If y'all have never seen that and it ends up coming in your area. You've got to see it. Seriously, guys. It was one of those that kind of took us by surprise. It was a sneaker. And we didn't really expect to... Enjoy it as much Enjoy as we did. it, yeah. And yeah. but it's so like, witty. It's so good. And this it's one actor that plays like eight parts. And what's so crazy 
is you don't even realize it's him At every first, time. Yeah. And and he plays men and women well. I mean, it is insane. But yeah, it's called A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. It's fantastic if you ever get a chance mm-hmm. to go see it. It truly was wonderful. I would love to see it again. Do you remember the line that I'm talking about, though? Which one? Well, th- this is what I thought of was uh, they were ice skating. And, and it's really largely just two actors in it. Mm-hmm. And... um. One of them is a woman and the other one is a male and he they're ice skating and he said, Do you mind if I put my hand in your muff? Oh. <laughs> and like the whole theater went <laughs> like I, you know, obviously they meant the hand warmer, but so you know, funny. people don't use those uh, now. So funny. So anyway. So back to the muff. Um <laughs> the the muff just happened to look like one that Elma had borrowed from a friend. And Ooh. Elma was the last one seen wearing it on December 22nd when she was last right seen. Right before Christmas. Right before Christmas. Uh, so some people say the kids found a mu- the muff a few days after Elma went missing. And then mm-hmm. some say it happened 11 days later when her body was found. Hmm. But um, we do know the muff was found there the anyway. M- the muff was found. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> I've said that word enough it's- to last me a couple of years. <laughs> Just stop. Say muff again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. Say crack again. Crack. <laughs> anyway. You're unhinged. Sorry. All right. Yeah, we got issues. Uh, so either way, 11 days after Elma went missing, her body was pulled out of the Manhattan well in Lisbon and Meadow. Um, it was January 4th of 1800 when she was found. So December 22nd is when she went missing. She was found January 4th. Okay. When the New York Spectator printed, uh, they printed this. Yesterday afternoon, the body of a young woman was found dead in a well. Recently dug by the Manhattan Company a little east of Mr. Tyler's. Strong suspicion. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, Strong suspicions are entertained of having been willfully murdered. Willfully Willfully murdered. murdered. So it wasn't an accidental murder. It wasn't willful murder. Um, but nobody, this is what's so crazy. So nobody really knew. It's just one of those things. It's like, it's so funny that it's called the spectator because it's like, oh, we just wildly speculate that she was willfully murdered. Gotcha. You know, I mean, nobody. Well, that's more sensational too. It is. And like, it's like the National Enquirer. Um, where it's like, princess dies, still alive, question mark. And I'm like, God, I wish she was. Yeah. Um, anyways, that that is a case I would love to dig into. But, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe a, a bonus episode. It didn't happen in America. So. It didn't. But it's, gosh, she's got such a good story. I think that was my senior year of high school that that happened. All I remember is the princess die beanie baby coming out. Mm-hmm. And there were two of them. One of them was blue and one of them was purple. And if you have one of them, it's like worth a ton of money. I didn't now. do the whole Beanie Baby collection. I did, thing. and I had the Princess Die. Full disclosure, guys. I had the Princess Die Beanie Baby. I also had the specially made crown for the Beanie Baby, <gasps> and then I had this like acrylic cylinder that had a top on it. That you put the build, like you put the little beanie baby oh, in. So it like keeps so all it the kept elements. It. Yeah, kind of like what people put like Barbies in sure. or stuff like that. But it was for beanie babies. And uh, yeah, and I had, and I have no clue where it went. I could be a millionaire 
but this beanie baby is just, it's gone. It's gone to the wind. I don't know where it is. It's, it's really depressing. Um, I did not know that. I, I had a lot of beanie babies. It was, it was, it was a dark and wonderful time. In my life. <laughs> beanie babies and Pokemon cards everywhere. Oh. Um, so anyways, uh, this is also to where we discussed it in our intro episode, but I'm going to go ahead and interject like our disclaimer here. Um, I will always try to not go into deep detail of injuries uh, or into especially violent manners mm-hmm. of death on this podcast. So I'm going to give you a trigger warning level and you can determine for yourself if you want to skip forward a few seconds or not. Um, and these are going to kind of be the levels of which they are and that, you know, we can kind of go off of. Um, the levels are going to be low, medium and high because why not? Um, since this is a pretty true standard, right? Pretty, pretty standard stuff. Um, but you know, this is a true crime podcast and there isn't going to be an episode without violence at all. Sure. Cause somebody dies. Right. Well, in, well, in, somebody, in most of our cases, right. Tragic things happen to people. Yes. Um, falls. Right. So because of that, A low level in this, um, a low level trigger warning would be a very basic description, and it's pretty quick. Something that I would still listen to. Yeah, it's something that like it, it's it's kind of quick. It's not great, but like you're gonna hear about injuries, mm-hmm. but it's gonna be quick. I'm gonna be done 10, 15, 20 seconds tops. Like it's it's not gonna be very long. Um, then you're gonna have a medium level, which would be it's gonna kind of be a a really violent description it's going to be more violent uh, more in depth but still relatively quick not not one that not drawn out right i'm not going to dig deep into it it's still going to be pretty quick but it's still going to be like a little cringy Mm -hmm. um and then there's going to be a high level uh which the crimes are going to be pretty pretty heinous um and the description is going to take a little bit longer uh, the only instances where there would be a high level would be a case where the description is just vital to the victim's story. Um, and it's not at all for shock value or sensationalism. Mm-hmm. I just want to make that very, very clear. Um, I know there can be a very fine line uh, between respecting a victim's story and wanting the victim's story to be heard and not glossed over. But then the other perspective, which makes people not like true crime, is that, you know... All the detail. Right. Or it, or it makes people think that you're exploiting the violence sure. that led to the end of someone's life. And that's never acceptable. No. You know, you, those things don't need to be glorified. But I don't want to disgrace the end of someone's life by not telling their yeah, story because every life is precious every life is precious uh, you know no matter what and you know if you skip over the way someone tragically died you're also skipping over that part of their story mm-hmm. as a person and sometimes the way that that person died is almost as important as they lived yeah and so you know i just want to make sure you know that that's very clear that's not at all what we're here for. We want to make sure that these stories are told as well as we can. And we do want to make sure that the victims are highlighted in these cases. Um, 
you know, and there, I'm going to go ahead and say there is an episode that will come up soon (laughs) that it is a high level warning and we'll go deep into it in the show, but it's, it, it can be pretty bad, but I'm going to go ahead and let you know before any of that happens. I think she's going to turn me off on that one too. Yeah. Yeah. Leah's going to have to walk away, but it's pretty bad. So after I tell you a trigger warning level, I'm going to give you a short kind of three, two, one countdown, regardless of the level, even if it's low level, I'm still going to give you a little countdown Mm -hmm. um, in case you need a second to find the skip ahead button, um, you know, or you got little ones and you don't want them to hear, you know, I want to give you enough time that you can you can make that decision for yourself right right so with all of that said this is a low level description so it should be good right but we're gonna start it in three two one once the coroner was done with the autopsy of Elma, it was determined that she was badly beaten before she fell into the well. The coroner also noticed scratches and bruises on her body, along with a ringed bruise around her neck, indicating that she might have been strangled. It's not clear whether she was alive or already deceased when she went into the well, but there was a rumor that Elma might have been pregnant at the time of her death, but Ooh. the autopsy ruled it out. Well, I mean, wouldn't and they, just to let y'all know, that's that's the end of the description. Um, wouldn't they be able to tell if she was alive when she was put in the well by seeing if there was water in her lungs? Or did they not? It depends on how deep the well would okay. have been um, at that time. And because it was built relatively recently to when this crime happened, it could very well be that, that there wasn't a whole lot of water in there at the time. Hmm. Um, but that's the thing, too, is... You know, then you kind of get into, well, was she alive when she went in? Was she not alive when she went in? And then we're going to get to somebody else who says she jumped. And so, yeah, so it's, it's, I don't believe at that time it would have been very well, I guess, explored to see if she did, if, if it was a drowning situation. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that would be kind of an autopsy level that they would be at at yeah, that time. Yeah, and that's what I was kind yeah. of asking. Um, do they have that they they science don't, yet? Yeah, they don't really discuss that in detail as to whether, you know, that did happen. Um, and I think part of the reason would be the injuries that she sustained yeah. that makes them believe possibly that she was not alive when she went in um, because of what was on her neck and kind of everything else. Those could have been defensive wounds, Mm -hmm. could have been that she was fighting back. Um, But, you know, her back, you know, those marks could have been from the side of the well. Yeah, scratches. Yeah, you you know, Mm -hmm. you're not sure. I mean, like, and I hate to think about this because it it makes me cringe. But, like, you ever get, like, a... you like scrape your leg on like bricks. Uh, yes, you know what like I mean? White and ashy. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> and it's not a, and it's one of those that like, sorry guys, I know this is gross, but like you skin your knee and it gets that like fluid on top of it mm. where it's not like bleeding, but it's like this little, ugh, I can't. But yeah. there's a word for that stuff. I don't remember what it is. I don't right know now. what it is. I'm gross, not medically gross inclined. is what it is. Um, but well, it's what your scab forms with. I know, I mean, but it's still, it's gross. And I'm sorry. I'm sure there are people who are like screaming it at the podcast. Sorry. This is what it is. Sorry. Um, we know just a little bit about everything. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's so many bizarre things that happen in this case. And personally, I think this is the weirdest. 
Before Elma's official funeral, her body was, quote, displayed at the ring's boarding house. Displayed. Displayed. Yeah. So. I mean, because I know they would sit up with the dead. But this is, this is like a different verbiage here. It's not like a way. Displayed. Uh, there were s- I would not have been there. No, no. There were so many. I probably would have. You um, would have. There were so many people who came by to see the body that the crowd grew too large. And her body Mm-mm. was moved to the street. Oh, my heavens. To the street. Like, okay. So kind of like an artist that isn't appreciated until they die. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's uh. so... Fish- when I die, don't don't put me on display. Like you can have a closed casket. That's cool with me. I going seeing people in caskets just creeps me out. I'm not a, not a fan. Sorry. Segway. Jody, if you're listening, <laughs> or Michael, my husband. All I can think of is the conversation. What that she had with JCT. <laughs> and y'all know the conversation. And Jody, I apologize if any mental and emotional I sounded evil then, just then. You did, but that was, I'm sorry, you're just talking about what you want to happen at the end of your life. Uh, I don't want to be cremated like we did my dog. Yeah. And it, I, I poorly we, explained yes. to my four-year-old nephew, because he was a Mastiff, and he, Mastiffs are huge. He's 130 pounds. And my sweet little innocent nephew asked me if we were going to bury him. And so thinking of the If best you have way, small children, do not let them listen to this. Because we've yeah. all, Leah's already scarred one child for life. He was actually okay. Yeah, but. It was unexpected. But yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Can I see his tail? <laughs> uh, yeah. He, well, he asked me if we were going to bury him. And I said, well, we, we left him at the vet. And they're going to make him smaller. You know, my, my philosophy is. Smaller. Well, my philosophy is just answer the question and don't give any extra oh, yeah, information you know Leah, and i was thinking was like not- <laughs> well i was thinking like willy wonka has the shrink ray like maybe he's thinking that i have some i don't know i mean i was just trying to he's a smart over. child he is very inquisitive he is very inquisitive and likes to figure things out and i should have known better but he was like <laughs> i told him they were going to give us give him back to us um in the container and he said oh that's a lot of giblets which, a lot of giblets. I mean, from a four-year-old. And then he, you know, requested, you know, hey, could I see his tail? Could I see his eyeball? Um, yeah. So then Leah proceeds to tell her sweet, innocent nephew. I had to explain. Sweet JCT that, no. They're going to burn him. They, they're going to burn. Because that's easier than dismemberment. Is then well, I mean, now having they're going to cut his head of, off. I, and I was like, no, they're not going to cut his really head did, off. He really did, guys. Like, I'm telling you, the, I, I'm definitely related to this kid, for sure. <laughs> I mean, that, that's all I can say. One, he is his mother's son. He's just, that, he's very curious. He's very curious. Very things. inquisitive. Very, very much so. So, um. Anyway, yeah. That's. Jody. it's probably a good thing you have the job that you do. That's all I'm going to say. Um. <laughs> for. Who knows how many reasons? I'm just saying. Maybe he follows in her footsteps. Let's maybe. let's hope that he does that. With I mean, his or maybe he can be a surgeon, or maybe he'll be the next Dexter. I hope it's the former and not the latter, and or you know doesn't combine the two. We, we never know. We'll hope. We'll hope that precious child. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, they displayed her body in the house, and then too many people were coming in the house. They put her on the street. So just put her on the street. Did they take like? You know, money. Was there a fee to see the body? That's just, 
That's disgraceful. I don't like that. Come see the body of this I mean, poor like, I'm woman. thinking of... You may pay two shillings to see for five seconds <laughs> and then like move P.T. Barnum, you know? Uh, yeah, it's like... So, yeah. Step right up. Well, and what's even worse is so... Well, even worse slash Which is not funny. I'm, no, I know it's we not. It's, I'm sorry. it's not. But, like, that's what it sounds like. It really does. Like, you have that's a hat sad. turned upside down yes. in front of, like, this woman, this like poor that. woman. That's disrespectful. I, exactly. Which is what is so, this is the strangest thing to me. Um, But they had officials like authorities and police and friends that guarded her body while it was on the street. Um, And it was reported that thousands of people came by. Um, in that time. That is just weird. Which, weird. this only made the outrage of Elma's murder, like, escalate to a dangerous level. Yeah. Like this, I mean, that's a way to fuel a fire, let me tell you. So, several days after Elma's body was discovered, a grand jury indicted Levy Weeks for the murder of Elma Sands. Um. Hmm. So, even though this is the first case in the United States, there were more than enough trials in colonial times, and there were weird rules. Sure. Um, so, at the time, a defendant did not have the right to counsel, which if you don't know what that means, oh, you don't have you don't your the, public defender. You don't get an attorney, period. Yeah. You don't have the right to obtain an attorney Ooh. if you... Or the defendant. Government provided or not. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, but there was a workaround to this. Mm. You could hire your own lawyer if the judge gave you permission. What? So. So people who had no money and no influence were just, you know, out of luck. Which, again. Another soapbox. Welcome to 2021. But, you know, I mean, I mean, in which we do know that, and we're not blind to that either. We are very well aware that it, people based on their poverty level, yeah. if you're a person of color, we're well aware of how there are disparities in different places. Yes. But, you know, especially you can't, it's like, if we're going to go back to this time, I'm not going to get on a soapbox of things right now. Um, I, I can't, I can't put no. myself there. Um, <laughs> we have no time for that. But, you know. You can have an attorney if the judge gives you permission. So what if you, okay, I know this is weird. This is weird, you know. This is Kayla's so thoughts. Weird thoughts by Kayla. Weird thought that was, it's like the more you know. Right. reading Rainbow <laughs> with the, with the, <laughs> so, which to me, I mean, think about it this way. You are, you steal your neighbor's pig. Okay. Your neighbor is brothers with the judge. Do you think the judge is going to be like, oh, please hire an attorney. Please do. I will allow it. No. He's going to be like, no. You're guilty. So Levy Week's trial was the beginning of allowing defendants to obtain their own counsel. And they actually were given a right to obtain their own counsel. Um, And I mean, if you are Levy Week's and your brother is the one who's footing the bill. Why would you have one attorney when you can have three? Pretty brilliant ones, at least two of them anyway. The other one is is very brilliant, and you never hear about him. And so to know that there was a third one, um, which there's actually a really, a really, really good book out there that I actually have. 
it is sitting right here. Um, and it's called Duel with the Devil by Paul Collins. And it is about uh, it is about the first murder trial of the nation. It is very, very good. Highly recommend it. Um, if you're interested in that time frame, it's it's written uh, more of like a novel, not. Uh, so I probably would appreciate it. Yeah, it's very good. It's it's very very well written. Um, it's written like you're reading a, a book, just like a normal book. It's very conversational in that time. Uh, I appreciate that. It's it's very good. So so yeah. Um, so we're gonna go through these men now. Uh, up first, we have Henry Brockholst. Livingston. There you go. Who went by the much less complicated name of Brock Holst Livingston. Oh. Because why go by Henry? You know, Livingston? drop the Henry. Let's no. So we're we're no longer Henry. We're Brock Holst Livingston. Uh he was a colonel lieutenant in the American Revolutionary War and he served under Philip Schuyler. Ever heard of him? <gasps> I mm-hmm. Uh, next, he was the aide de camp to, you know, which is a personal assistant in that mm-hmm. time, to Major General Benedict Arnold at the <gasps> Battle of Saratoga. Heard of him. Mm-hmm. Then he was the secretary to John Jay. And then the U.S. Minister. Heard of him. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then he was also the secretary to the U.S. Minister to Spain. Oh. Um, 17 years after Brockholz Livingston, um, you know, Later, after he was in the American Revolutionary War, all of this stuff. Um, And after being appointed to the bar and practicing law for like 17 years, um, Livingston became one of the three attorneys in Levy Week's case. Um, After this case, he went on to be a state Supreme Court justice from 1803 to 1807. Um, And actually, Thomas Jefferson nominated Livingston to an official seat in the U.S. Supreme Court, which Brockholz Livingston held until his death in 1823. So pretty good attorney. Like, you know. Yeah, he knew the law, obviously. Thomas Jefferson, a.k.a. Davi Diggs, is (laughs) the one who recommended you to be, uh, to have an official seat in the Supreme Court. Like, it's crazy. That's pretty awesome. So the next two attorneys... We can't get into a full bio in this episode. Who we love. Uh, you'll get it in a later episode. No worries. Or maybe two. Yeah. <laughs> we have a lot to say about them. I mentioned them earlier in the story, and I told you that they would come back around. So Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr rounded out the dream team for Levy Weeks. And they were on the same side. The same One of the only times they would mm. be. Uh, Hamilton and Burr were the top lawyers in the state at the time, and they had more than enough scandal to go around, and yes. everyone in New York knew about it. Uh, there's heavy speculation that that's actually the reason the two men took this case because they they needed to try and elevate their image. Mm-hmm. Um, also, keep in mind that Burr was majorly involved in the Manhattan Company as well, who funded the well that yeah, Elma I was, was going to say this in. is like kind of a conflict of interest now that I know this, right? So that's why I said all of these connections are so <laughs> weird. Um, you know, so at that point, it would only make sense for Burr to try and do everything to preserve the reputation of this newly built well, you know, for his personal image. Yeah. And then, then the image of the Manhattan Company. Um, as for Hamilton, uh, Ezra and Levy Weeks were building Hamilton Grange. 
which was the first and only home that Hamilton would own. Yep. 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 Um, it's possible, you know, Hamilton felt like he was obligated to help sure. in the trial, but also Ezra Weeks was very prominent in Manhattan, like in his own right. And had a lot of money. So it's very possible, too, that Ezra, like, just shoved money at the situation. And the brother's living in a boarding house. Mm-hmm. Just bringing that With up. With his apprentice. It's very, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's odd. I'm just saying. Um, are, so, we, are we full brothers? Are we half brothers? I know. It's, it's very weird. But, I mean, we'll see later. Levy's brother being an architect definitely works out for Levy later on. Um, so... We discussed it in our intro to this podcast, and this this phrase is how this podcast <laughs> came to be. So, Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote in the musical Hamilton, quote, Gentlemen of the jury, I'm curious. Bear with me. Are you aware that we're making history? This is the first murder trial of our brand new nation, the liberty behind deliberation. Um, I sang that in my head. I know, I did too. It was very hard to actually read. Mm. Uh, so the trial began on March 31st, 1800. It was prosecuted uh, by another man with a wild name. He was a congressman, and his, na- his name was Cadwallader Colden. Ooh. Cadwallader Colden. Like, is Cad one word and then Wallader? No, Cadwallader Cad, Cad one word. C A D W A L L A D E R. Like, Cadwall. I, I don't know where it came My brother in law had a dog named Caddy Wampus because she worked crooked. They walked crooked, not worked. She walked crooked and they called her Caddy. Well, if she walked crooked, then she worked crooked. Well, you know. Think about it. Because she got hit by a car, but then she got oh, hit by dear. a car again and it straightened her out. I mean, if there's one way to do it, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Just saying, but yeah, that made me think of her. It's either going to take you out or fix you. There you go. I've been run over by a car. What? I'm sorry. We can't just gloss over. I'm sorry. I got ran over by a car one time. Have I not told you this? When you got ran over by a car? Yeah. No. My sister ran me over. Jody. (laughs) Jody, if I could say your whole name on this podcast. She did. She um, had a Volkswagen bug. It was like half of a half. You know, Jody's on the other end, and she's like, "That is not what happened. That is not what no, happened." No, no. This is this is all truthful. We've told this story together many a time because it always gets the same reaction that you just gave, and it's so funny to me. This was long ago. She was in high school. I was in middle Keep school. Keep in mind, long ago, coming up hard on the age of sixty. Stop. You are so <laughs> hateful. I'm not sixty. Yeah, I'm not close to it. <laughs> Not even close. Closer than I am. <laughs> anyway. So anyways, how did you get ran over um, by your so sister? She had a, the first thing is, I'm very glad she had a Volkswagen because it's a very lightweight vehicle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that we're thankful for that. Um, so our driveway was not very long, but we stopped. She stopped at the very end of the driveway for me to get out and get the mail. We were coming home from school. And I left the door open, the passenger side door open. And then I decided I was going to get back in the car to ride the, you know, 10 feet up where she was going to park. And I had my hand on the door and she pressed the gas. And my thought was, okay, I need to hold on to the door or I'm going to get run over. Right as that thought came through, the back tire tripped me up and I fall over and the wheels, the back wheel comes up and it is on like right below my knee. 
And, you know, I'm trying to put words together, but hey, there's a car on me. And I'm going, <laughs> and all I remember is looking through the door at Jody, and she's just got this look on her face. She says, what? And finally I said, the car is on my legs. My favorite part. She says, what do you want me to do? If you were under a car. To be honest, though, I can so see Jody saying, what do you want me to do? Yeah. The car is on you. What do you want me to do? No, no, I mean, she wasn't like saying it hatefully. Well, and I, I understand I now. But at the time, so I'm like, funny. I just said, get off me. But she was meaning, do I need to go forward or go backward? I understand the logic now, but you're not thinking very logically when there's a car on you. So, yeah. I mean, one would think you that wouldn't be a logical Mm-mm. Mm-mm. a logical Mm-mm. conversation. I can't believe you were ran over. I can't believe I haven't told you that. I can't believe you haven't either, but, like, I can't. I truly can't believe you were ran over <laughs> by a car. I just have to say that I love that the whole way we got on that conversational topic was because you were talking about how a dog got hit by a car. I mean, <laughs> I mean, people. <laughs> so, I survived. Like, I was just bruised, and I, I did milk it for a long time. Jody felt really guilty and was afraid I, mom was going to punish her. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I can't. So our friend Cad Walliter Colden uh, later became the mayor of New York City. Uh, Colden's case against Levy was circumstantial at best, uh, which if you're if you're not familiar with terminology or anything in law, like circumstantial mm-hmm. basically means there's no hard evidence. It's basically, a, oh, I saw this person here at this time and the timeline kind of matches up. I know this is not like a total like law explanation right. but the best way that i can describe it i know of one person in particular who's probably cringing at the way i'm i'm describing <laughs> it right now um but you know it's not the best it's basically just this person was here at this time these other people collaborated it it's all circumstantial there's no physical yeah. evidence tying him to so it so our friend cad whose name i can't say all the way cad wallet or cold yeah i want to call him caddy wampus now yeah he is the prosecution but so he ended up living in the house that Yes, uh, that Ezra Ezra built built. Okay, see, I was listening. Uh, yes, sure were. Um, so uh, Colden relied heavily on witness testimony. Uh, he brought in the rings, the boarding house owners, mm-hmm. uh, the friend who saw Elma on the street that night, or, or think she saw. Yeah, um, there was also another man who lived in the boarding house. His name was Rich. Richard Croucher, he was problematic. Mm. Like, he flat out told people, oh, I know Levy did it. Like, it, it was very, very bad. I um, mean, he he didn't know anything. Uh, so he just liked his time in the spotlight. He really did. He was did. probably the one passing the hat he, when her body he was probably on display. Was. He was probably the one that's like, let's put her on the street. I'm just saying. Um, so the men who found Elma in the well were also called to trial, and witnesses uh, who saw that one horse open sleigh that night. Um, but none of this is direct evidence proving that Levy was guilty at all. Right. The defense uh, pushed back with a story of their own, and they are the ones that claimed Elma might have completed suicide on her own by jumping into the well. And the scratches could have been, but the, but the the ring around yeah, her neck that, is that's what's my problematic. Concern. Mm-hmm. Or maybe she did she have on like a, a cloak? Nothing or something was that said. Have... Yeah, nothing was said that she was wearing anything kind of like that that was around her neck. Because that anything. would make yeah. sense if it was like a scarf or something. A like scarf that. or even a cloak Look, or something. I don't. I, I don't know anything about her personal life. Maybe it was a hickey. 
All the way, I mean, that would be kind of hard. But if it's a ring, well, I mean, I'm thinking all the way around. to do. I mean, I'm I just mean, you got to have some patience for you that really kind of do. stuff. I mean, Mm-mm. who knows? Um, so, you know, again, they said that that might be what happened to her, um, which, I, I mean, is, is really tragic when kind of like the story lines up to, hey, this looks like it was foul play. And then they're like, no, she jumped in on her own on yeah, purpose. Yeah, there's no way to prove it either way. Yeah, and there's no way to prove it either way. And you're just really, you're disgracing a poor woman. I mean, we know she had a muff. We don't know if she had a <laughs> scarf. Same muff again. Um, Sorry, I had Somebody to. needs to make that a t-shirt. Uh, I will not wear it. <laughs> make it a t-shirt, and but but put like a muff on, not not the muff, uh, <laughs> but, but like put the article a of hand muff, a hand. That, I mean, still Kayla. Be, I'm sorry, I can't. The, the muff article that, of clothing for warming your hands made of fur. <laughs> I'm sorry, beaver fur. I can't. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I, it was right there. I'm it sorry, really Mama, was. if you're listening. I'm sorry. I'm I hope sorry. you didn't let Daddy listen. I'm sorry, Leah's mom and Daddy. Yeah, I'm more. It's all right. They, they 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 already checked out by now. They're like, we're not listening to this. But if you are, thank you. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, uh, you know. After the defense said that she jumped in on her own, they also brought in those who said Elma was depressed, how she talked about overdosing on laudanum. So, you know, they brought Mm -hmm. that in as well. Uh, She had talked about ending her life. Exactly. She had talked about it on previous occasions, and people did notice she was very, you know, depressed. And then when her mood turned around, it would only make sense that once her mood turned around, maybe that's when her and Levy decided to elope or, you know, according to him, they didn't. Or maybe she thought they were going maybe to elope. If there was the suspected pregnancy, he'd be like, mm-hmm, yeah, I have which is that. which honestly, that's kind of what I think could have happened. Really? Is that maybe because you could grace somebody's palm to mm-hmm. say, no, there was no baby. Well, and maybe you could say like she she was an illegitimate child herself, like we discussed before. Mm. And that was very, very frowned upon in this time. So it could be one of those things of like, well, we can't disgrace my name. Like I need, that's a big deal. We can't do, you know, so when his brother is very important, I can totally see that being hush hush. Exactly. But you know, his brother might've been involved too. I can totally see that. Could have been. Exactly. And so, you know, but they did say in the autopsy that she you know, she wasn't pregnant. So, but you know, you never know. She could have been telling him that there's, you know, there's no telling. And I'm yeah. not, I'm not trying to speak ill of the dead, but no, I'm just we saying, don't know. we don't it's know the conversations that could have ensued. Sure. So, uh, you know, the defense also brought in witnesses who stated that Levy was at his brother's house the night of the murder and that they never saw Ezra Slay leave the house. So there's one camp that says he did. There's another that he didn't. Um, after <laughs> this is crazy. After a 44-hour trial, Ooh. 75 witnesses called to the stand. 75? And only one break in between. <gasps> the court finally adjourned. Wait, 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 wait. Time out. Whoa. Yeah. They didn't adjourn, like, for the day and say they took, court will They resume. took one break. At th- That one break was court will resume tomorrow morning. But even at then... The case went well into the night that night. Um, yeah, so it was bad. So, and and that's actually, 
The court adjourned at 2 a.m. at the jury's request because the jury couldn't stay awake. Well, yeah. Uh, The next day, the judge, Chief Justice John Lansing Jr., (laughs) he made it super clear that closing arguments were not necessary. And before he dismissed the jury to deliberate, this is what the judge actually said to the jury. Okay. The court were unanimously of the opinion that the proof was insufficient to warrant a verdict against him and that with this general charge, they committed the prisoner's case to their consideration. Like, basically, there's no proof. Yeah. You're wasting my time. Go deliberate. There's no proof. Go deliberate. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, given all of this, the 44-hour trial, the 75 witnesses, all this time in court... How long do you think it took the jury to make a decision? Oh, five minutes. Literally. Really? Five minutes. <laughs> the jury. Well, I mean, they yeah, for so I long. mean, five minutes. Uh, the jury. Like, I'm done. I got to get to the I house. Know, right? Uh, the jury came back with a verdict of not guilty only after five minutes. Wow. So this was great news for Levy Weeks, but it didn't change the fact. One, Elma is still dead. Yeah. That and doesn't, his, it, it's never going to change that. She's yeah, not. And dead. we don't know. How or who? Exactly. So, and New Yorkers all still thought he was guilty because this, this honestly, I think was the very first trial of the husband did it. You know what I mean? Like right, anytime, right, right, right. anytime always a woman the is murdered, twist. they're always like, oh, it was the husband, which I yeah. mean, to be honest, in a lot of cases, it, it, I mean, it I'm sure my is. husband has wanted to kill me more than once. He may have told me one time that he was going to have a heart attack and die if I didn't stop talking. Michael hit me up. I mean, um, girl. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, it was just bad. You know, you're, you're, you're said that you're not guilty, but then everybody still thinks that you are. Did he have to move? Did he stay in New York? He did. So he left the city because of the rumors and he moved to Deerfield, Massachusetts, then to Cincinnati, Ohio, then to the highway. Yeah. I mean, he just, (laughs) he then went to Lexington, Kentucky. So he was just a roamer after that. He couldn't stay in one place So he ended up finally settling down in Natchez, Mississippi. And I might not be saying Natchez right. No, Natchez is right. right. Um, So he ended up marrying a woman whose name was Anne Greenland, and they had four children together. Um, Just like his brother. Levy became a successful architect in the area. Interesting. And he built Auburn Mansion, which is not in Auburn, Alabama. It's in Mississippi. Um, He built Auburn Mansion, which today is a National Historic Landmark Museum. Cool. So it's still standing. So um, I know, right? In 1819, Levy Weeks died at only the age of 43. And I mean, that's just 19 years after this murder trial. So he got, I mean, he moved a lot of places. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, mean, moved all those places and then Mm -hmm. settled down. Yeah, and with four kids. Yeah, how old were they? Yeah, they couldn't have been very old when he died. I mean, yeah, I have no idea. But yeah, that's, I just, I understand that, you know, ages of people dying and stuff at certain times like you know i understand at that time like life span could have been yeah like our current 90 right exactly yeah. but 43 like just seems really young to me that's, that's just two years um, away for me <laughs> just saying i'm not 60 uh so yeah it's been over 220 years 
And wow. the murder of Elma Sands is still unsolved. That's very sad. It is. So, yeah, that's the story of Elma Sands, Levy Weeks, and the first recorded murder trial of the United States. That's Hamilton and Burr and... What was the other guy's name? Oh, our, our, our good friend with the Henry. Henry, but that's not what he went by. Brockholst Livingston. Yes. It's such a, such an easy, it rolls off the tongue. I mean, Almost as, as good as cold wallet or colden. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So it's, it's just insane. So you made it through your first episode. I did, and I enjoyed it. How do you feel? You feel good about it? I feel it? smarter. You feel smarter. Do you? you look smarter. I, mean, I think I see a few more grays. Um, glitter I, I, I don't, highlights. I don't, yeah, glitter highlights. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's you know we had talked about the trigger warning levels earlier in the episode, and so that's kind of a low low level. I don't think it's too bad. No, it's I mean, not great. No, but you know, like I said, if you've got kids in the car, if you've got you know anything you don't want people to hear and depending on how you know yeah how they how attentive they are because mm-hmm. i have some nephews that yes. would just not even jct no he would he would be all in it i know yeah that's what i'm saying others would not no. they would just right. be in their own little world so so yeah do you i mean this is obviously all alleged we have no idea but and do I, you do you think that he did it I don't know. I mean, there really wasn't any evidence that he did. It's plausible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense, especially if there was a possibility of a pregnancy. I mean, and especially then, if somebody had influence, it was really easy to grease somebody's palm mm-hmm. and say, hey, there was no pregnancy, right? Mm-hmm. And to be able to falsify that. I mean, that would be very easy to do. And to be able to pay witnesses mm-hmm. or even bully witnesses, mm-hmm. you know, to not, I mean, I don't know. And to have 75 witnesses. I mean, were the witnesses scene? all the defense or the prosecution it, or a combination? Yeah, it was a combination of all. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's, that's a lot of witnesses. It's a lot. I mean, it sounds like someone's trying for a filibuster, it you really, know? Yeah, it really is. It's just, <laughs> God, so much. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I don't know either. I can't. Obviously, we I can't want him speculate. to not be want, guilty. Yeah, it's one of those things. Like I hate it because it also feels like he was railroaded sure. at some points, especially by that guy I told you about, Richard Croucher. He really went after him hard. Or even, I mean, my thoughts are even he could have let his influential, needed to keep appearances up brother know his plans, and his brother be like, "No, I'm gonna take care of this son." Exactly. You know, I mean that that's possible. I mean, maybe Levy didn't have anything to do with it, and Ezra was the mastermind. He had his, you know, number two right there with him, and he was the one in the open sleigh with her. Or what if Ezra knew that they were gonna elope, and he didn't want to lose Levy, who was his brother and one of his best workers. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm saying. You know? Like, he got wind of it. He's like, yeah, yeah I'm going to put a stop like, to yeah, this. this has got to stop. I'm just saying. It's like, oh, look at the nice snow outside. Let's take let's take a ride in the one horse And then somehow sleigh. Levy doesn't get in the sleigh. And yep. then Because no one saw them leave the house together. Right. Well, and then there were two men with her, uh, allegedly. Um, you know, who knows who they are? It could have been Ezra and, you know. See, his, but then to say his, they were all laughing in the sleigh together, but they were beside the well. Maybe they, they were, were laughing. each other. Yeah, it's you know? very weird. And, like, she had no idea that he knew what was going on. Yeah, well, and I mean. Until it was too late. I mean, two people can overpower one very easily. Especially if it's two men and one woman. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, and this was a time too when like gender roles were very, very absolutely. strict, and women were considered frail, and you know right. things like that. And especially, and the, she was sick a lot. Like, yeah. so she's not very strong to begin. And the with. fact that she was stepping out with two men in an open sleigh, I'm sure that that raised some eyebrows oh, too. I'm, sure I'm just did. saying. But then what? What's so crazy to me is that you hear someone yell "murder," Why and no would you one not go look into that. So then, who? Where's the person who, yeah, yelled, who yelled "murder"? That? Because you didn't call them to the stand. You couldn't have 76 witnesses? Yeah, drew the line at 75. I mean... 44 hours and 75 witnesses. That's it. Didn't I mean, have five more minutes to spare. It's... Guys, it's just insane. I mean... That's frustrating. It really is. And unfortunately, a lot of these cases are going to be pretty frustrating. <sighs> that makes um, me unhappy. Some of them are pretty cut and dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, then there's like this one. Where there's a lot of speculation. And he was... He was pronounced not guilty, you know? So, yeah. I mean, at that point, he, he's acquitted. Well, I mean, if you're looking at the case, the way it was presented, you know, the prosecution really didn't have a case, really. It was no. just hearsay. There was exactly. no concrete evidence. And, you know, I've watched How to Get Away with Murder. I know Annalise would spin <laughs> that yarn. And, you know, if you have reasonable doubt, mm-hmm. then they're not guilty. Mm-hmm. And, and, that, and that is, which... Or, I am sure later on down the line we'll cover this case, and I know that it's real controversial, but Scott Peterson. Oh. It's a, I, I've done a lot of research on that, and I'm not, I'm not here to say whether he's guilty or innocent, but what I can say is it was a true case of reasonable doubt mm-hmm. that there's so much doubt there. And he had a trial. He, it's, it's called a, like a trial by media that basically the media – made him guilty sure and so you know and, and like again and i know like recently they just agreed to relook at his case and i don't know if you know that but just like in the past hmm. couple of weeks they just said they were going to look at his case um and i mean and i think that in that respect no i don't think that there was a fair trial because i do think that it was a trial by media mm-hmm. and and there was no way to not hear about it and at his that attorney time. even came out and said you can hate this guy I hate him. Doesn't mean he killed anyone. And let's check you that too, but he could have. But yeah, he, could, he gave you a butt, but yeah, he could but be I'm, an innocent butt. Right. But I'm just saying, like, reasonable doubt, guys. Like, reasonable doubt mm-hmm. is the, like, it is the core of those trials. Because if you have enough reasonable doubt, I mean, you got to be not guilty. That makes me think of uh, an episode of the Andy Griffith show, my favorite show. Just got to say, Friends is number two. Andy Griffith is my favorite show. And Aunt B is called um, to be a juror. <laughs> and she says, I just don't think he's guilty. He's, his eyes are too kind. And it turns out he's not guilty. That's, that's I'm just funny. saying, Aunt B knows. That is true. So, yeah, I think that about wraps it up. That's, that's, our, that's our first episode in the books, guys. Thanks that's, for listening. It's crazy. So, yeah, um, you can follow us on Instagram at One Nation Under Crime and on Twitter at ONUC Pod. So, One Nation Under Crime Pod, O N U C. If you love our podcast as much as we do, please follow us on your preferred podcast platform. Um, we dropped a few episodes all at once. Um, so, be sure that you follow us so that you can get all of the new ones that are coming out as soon as they come out. Um, and recommend us to your friends, your family, your coworkers, your a dentist, stranger on the street. You know, I'm not saying grab someone's phone and do it for them, but maybe 
maybe gently encourage them to do sure. it in front of you. Or if you, you know, you need to make small talk somewhere. I, I mean, know. I'm just saying. It's, we're a great it's, topic. It's fine. It's great. You know, um, and if you feel like it, I know we're only one episode in. But, hey, you might love us enough to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That helps the podcast just get more notoriety. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of helps a few more people see us. Uh, if you have any questions for us, you can email us at onenationundercrime at gmail.com. And if you listen to our intro, you know, of our first, our episode zero, I guess. There you go. Um, our intro. And, uh, our episode. intro to intro. Um, if you have any good family stories, you know, maybe someone in your family who's famous or you have family lore that's just like wild, as we discussed. If you have family ghost stories, just put them to my attention. Or if you've been run over back. Uh, my name is Kayla, K-A-Y-L-A. Um, <laughs> you know, or just something totally cool and unique that's in the history of your family. Email it to us. Like, we would love to read it. Mm-hmm. We'll email you back. Um, and Yeah. Thanks, guys, for listening to us on this week's episode of One Nation Under Crime. We will see you here, same time, same place next week. Same time? Same time, different crime. There you go. (laughs) And remember, there isn't always liberty and justice for all. We'll see you guys next week. Bye.